Co-hosts, there's no time to spare. Welcome to your nerdy beer tasting podcast. As always, this is American Pale Males, and I am your co-host, Jeremy. With me, as always, is co-host... Co-host, co-host, it's Michael. Michael, there's no time to lose. How are you doing, buddy? Um, pretty good. Eh, sweet. Thought I'd spice um, things up with a little bit of panic. <laughs> right, yeah. Keep people on their toes so they, uh, you know, pay attention. That's I right. Maybe I'll just start shrieking or, like, put some back masking on my voice at some point point. see what happens. Yeah. That would be pretty sweet. If you can do that and, like, throw hidden messages at the end of this thing, that'd be great. Okay. You're familiar with back masking, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. I don't think I own any records that use back masking, though. Maybe the Tenacious D record. There, There's definitely back masking on that. <laughs> Comedic back masking. Yvonne et Niage. As always. Oh, yeah, that, that yeah. Simpsons episode, yep. Hey, you joined the Navy. Anyway, <laughs> Michael, what do you got for a beer brag this week? I actually have a couple. Ha, um, great minds think alike, sir. But good, continue. Good. The first one that I kind of want to get off right at the bat is I had another brew, coincidentally, from Door County Brewing. <laughs> We're going to Door County. <laughs> we had the uh, Dude Ranch um, Apricot, apricot ale, apricot. I think it was. It's still driving me insane. But apricot. <laughs> we're, we're, um, we're not on there. Continue. <laughs> and we were kind of maybe underwhelmed or not quite what we thought it would be. It was, I think that's um, a good description. Yeah. Not what we thought. This one I had, it was called Pallet Jack. <laughs> like the, the roof of your mouth? Like a pallet stack of pallets over there in the warehouse. So it is an actual pallet jack and not like a clever uh, play on the word. Well, it features a guy riding a pallet jack. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking his name might be Jack. Well, that's cool, but it because pallet jack A L A T E mm-hmm. would be a great name for an IPA. Anyway, that is a good call. Yeah. Uh, that's that's trademarked now. Nobody take that. <laughs> but sorry, interruptions. Um, so this is an IPA. Actually, maybe it's Pallet Jack Cruiser. Okay, I thought it was a Cruiser IPA, but I think it's Pallet Jack Cruiser IPA. And it's one of those a citrusy type IPAs uh, featuring mm-hmm. Azaka hops, A Z A C C A. Never said that word before. And citra hops and so it was, as it said, it's on the bottle, crushable. It was easy to drink. Still very hoppy. But I would nominate this one for a good summer beer over the one we had. Um, really? Yeah. Just because this is more robustly fruity. I'd oh, okay. say they're different hops, but the, like the level of bitterness. You know, in last week's one, we found it a little too bitter for what we were expecting. Mm-hmm. And this one, you expect it to be bitter. Overall, I felt like they were the same bitterness, but this had that fruity component too. Um, so yeah, this is a nice kind of lighter IPA, citrusy IPA, and so I found this one to be good. If you're ever stuck in a uh, empty room and forced to choose between the two, I guess choose this one. After I've gone to Door County. Yes. Okay. Interesting. What would you rank it? Um, I don't think I did rank it. 
Um, I would give it a, well, we gave the other one a 3.25. I'd give this one a 3.5. Although if you're an IPA fan, I think you're going to rank it higher because it's a pretty good one in that regard. Duly noted. Second beer brag, which is my banner beer brag, is I went to a new brewery in town. I saw this. Yes. It's called Funk Factory. And then there's a Spanish word that I'm going to say is guzeria. Guizeria? Well, Guizeria? Guiza is like a sour, isn't it? Isn't oh. that a style of beer? I'm pretty sure it is. That makes complete sense because this brewery, Aha. all they make is sour type beers. Well, Michael, you may uh, be pleased to know mm-hmm. that uh, Guizzi, Guzzi, I don't know, <laughs> G-U-E-U-Z-E is a type of lambic, a Belgian beer. Ah, that makes it sense. Is made by, it, was... it is made by blending one young and old lambics, which is then bottled for a second fermentation. Interesting. Oh, I've had that kind of style before, but I didn't hear it referred to that before. So, um, Weird. I'm going to teach you a new word. Please do. Uh, Meerts, M-E-E-R-T-S. Is it one of those weird Belgian names? I believe so, because it is made with the second runnings of a lambic. Ooh, Interesting. And so I had, they had just have one of their uh, brews. It's just called Straight Up Mirts. And mm-hmm. then they have a Cherry Mirts and a Peach Mirts. Oh, okay. So is that sort of like their uh, flagship, for lack of a better word? I think so, yeah. Because that was like on the top of the menu. It was sour. It was good. I, I'm pretty sure there was lacto involved. Um, That'd be my guess. Based on the smell. Um, yeah, so the, the cherry and peach ones were a little milder. The cherry was probably the mildest. Prototypical sour, real light in body, lacto taste, um, citrusy sour taste. Um, probably not something that I'd like go for every day, but it's nice to have something different like that every once in a while. And of course, interesting to see a place just dedicated to that type of beer. So if you ever swing through town, we'll probably have to just maybe peek in there and see, uh, see what's going on. Well, Michael, funny you should mention that. I just saw that Mayhem and Immolation were playing in Madison in November. So if you want to go see some infamous black metal. (laughs) Oh, no. And and I do mean infamous. (laughs) Uh, We'll we'll get there at another time after I finish the book. But, uh... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) There are a few dead people. Oh, no. Murder. Most foul. Well, the neo-Nazis out of the band now. Oh, they, he, okay. He, yeah, I'll save it for later. It's it's an okay. insane story. We'll get there. That might be a book brag. Oh, most I assure you, I will hammer through that book once I start it. But give me your beer brag for now, though, Jeremy. Last week I spoke about one of the Utah beers that Council of the Show brought. More on him mm-hmm. later. When you were down here in Iowa City, I had forgotten that I had them. Plus, we had Dark Lord at the time, so I was unable to, you know, remind you that we should have those and try them in sort of a flight. So, I've made it a a point to flight them myself. And I had originally thought about doing, you know, one a week and stretching it out so I didn't have to worry about beer brags, but uh, (laughs) a fortuitous trip to... Pub trivia last night made it so that I want to, you know, I've got I've got more things to talk about than four percent beer. You got so, a nice backlog. I, I'm getting a backlog. It's weird. Usually it's the other way around. But uh, you may know Squatters from Hop Rising that we did on the show, I believe. 
We did the what that? Oh, demon. the Hell's Keep. Hell's Keep. Yeah. We did that. And last week I did Live and Let Live Crystal Wizen, which was uh, a two point five for me. This week I had the, and I'm gonna botch this, the Squasatch. Okay. Hoppy pills. So okay. Sas- Sasquatch mm. just uh, flipped it and reversed it. Uh, inverted. Yeah, yeah, that's the way to okay, put it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, it's got a crazy-looking person on there, but here's the color text on it. There is an elusive figure who lurks in the brewery amidst the tanks. In tribute to this shadowy wanderer, we have brewed a beer in the Bavarian tradition using Pilsner malt, copious amounts of Euro hops, and then lagered for supreme drinkability. 4% ABV. Um, so another 4%. Okay. Well, these are all 4%. So okay. Um, because Utah has draconian uh, alcohol laws. Well, well, that. But what's the thing where uh, it's not plutocracy or kleptocracy? Theocracy. Theocracy. Theocratic rules. Thank you, Michael. I, okay. <laughs> for some reason, a plutocracy and a kleptocracy have been <laughs> on my mind lately. Hmm, but, okay. But uh, <laughs> um, the Squasatch Hoppy Pills suffered from kind of the same fate as the Crystal Wizen. It was most definitely a. Uh, a very thin beer, and th- I don't know where what their definition of copious amounts of hops is, but it certainly wasn't in there. It was, if I, if I had to guess, I'd say it was maybe like twenty five IBUs. It's it's not terribly bitter or hoppy at all. Um, I I imagine that maybe if you can't put that much malt in there, you can't put that much hop in there either. That's that's kind of what I'm suspecting. Um, the lagering. I imagine is also similar to the Crystal Wizen for reasons I will get into with the next one. Mm. But um, it's it's very thin. It was kind of... Uh, it had that weird off-copper penny taste that sometimes happens in a substandard beer. Mm. Oh, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking I, about. I, I oh, don't know. For, it was unfortunate because I do love a good hoppy pilsner. Um, that said... The uh, the aroma did come through nicely. The body wasn't there, but the the hopping was very well done. So I'll give it that. It was drinkable because it's you know thin as melted ice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that made no sense. Wow, <laughs> I sound like an idiot. But uh, <laughs> um, I gave I gave that one a two point five, same as the live and let live. Yeah. So it sounds like these maybe in concept there might be something there but they just don't have the freedom they need to execute the hell's keep and the hop rising are both really good beers so i mean you know they can make they can make a good beer i mean it doesn't get much different between a belgian style golden ale and a double ipa i mean mm-hmm. well I t- it it does but you you get my <laughs> point yeah um what fared better though was the full suspension pale ale Oh, okay. Um, so I don't know if the Crystal Wizen just made it and the, the pills were lagered, but mm-hmm. uh, this rich Northwest-style pale ale is a rare feat of balance. Unfiltered, dry-hopped, dry-hopped, that's important to note, mm. to 40 IBUs and deliciously seasonable. Groove on this two-time Great American Beer Festival gold medal winner 16 years ago. It really okay. smooths out the bumps, also at 4%. This one was n- noticeably better. The the body did not come off as thin, and it most certainly did not have that odd coppery taste. And given that these were all purchased at the same time in the same store, I 
find it hard to believe that it was, you know, like an age, like a crazy age differential. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, it was essentially a session pale ale. Okay. No, not necessarily an India pale ale. It didn't go quite that hoppy, but it was very delicately hopped. The body, surprisingly, did not feel like it was water. That's a much mm. better uh, metaphor. And, uh, it, it it came through. It was just it was a perfectly decent uh, sessionable pale ale. I gave it three point two five. So it's it's definitely not something that I would reach for, especially over like an all day or uh, what are some of those other ones we had? Um, the Stone One Go to IPA. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. That was delightful as well. Um, but. I think this just goes to show that the the concept is not inherently bad. It's the four percent. The four percent. Well, it is inherently bad. <laughs> on yeah, on some level. On yes. on multiple reasons, but in a world where it's not their decision, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's doable. It is doable, and who doesn't like a good challenge, Michael? Oh yeah. I I kind of want to try more of the ales now. It for the four percent ales. Like the, uh, well, maybe not the nitro red ale. That still seems kind of weird at 4%. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah it's just, I suspect that they can they can and do do better than Live and Let Live and the Squasach, although they do have delightful labels. Check those out <laughs> at some point if you get a chance. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, our fascination with Utah continues, and I, I'm glad you did some investigating to uh, further explore that state's yeah. production. We're going to be doing even more exploration of the great uh, honey, big, big honey sky country. I don't know what you call beehive it. Beehive state. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know that. Are, yeah. are you one of those weirdos that memorizes all this stuff just so you can win at pub trivia when like the one time <laughs> that that stuff comes up? That one just sticks in my head because it's kind of weird. Because I really could have used some of that knowledge last night. We were one question away from winning pub trivia. Oh, man. The, the, the question that we had and failed on was, name four out of the five best picture winners since the year 2000 that start with the word the. Oh, and, as, and as someone who watches the Oscars, as well as uh, my teammates did, we felt like, oh, this is in the bank. And then we started rattling them off, and they're all, none of them have definite articles in there. It's... It was surprisingly difficult. Had we gotten one more? Had do I you rem- remember? Uh, the one that I missed? Yes, I do remember that one. <laughs> what was it, it? The Hurt Locker. Oh, gee. Yeah. There's The Departed. There's The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I only remember... We put The Pianist, but I don't believe that that won Best Picture. But that's that's neither here nor there. Huh. That was the final question, too? Uh, not That was not the final question, but oh, that okay. was the one that we went back to, and I'm like, oh, blasted. I love The Hurt Locker. It's a great yeah. movie. I should have remembered that, and I was just angry with myself, pretty much. Well. Hey, but speaking of movies. Oh, yes. How about that segue? I don't sound like such an idiot now. <laughs> uh, so the Summer of Jeremy rolls on, Michael. Uh, one of my biggest... Uh, issues with my time constraints over these past several months has been that I haven't been able to get to the movie theater as much as I like. Um, oh, I okay. did. I did see Baby Driver, which was phenomenal. I don't remember if we talked about it on the show, but I saw that the day it came out, day after. I don't know. I saw three movies in theaters in like eight days. 
This past, so I, I kind of so catching went, up, making up for lost time. I was definitely making up for lost time, and I'll tell you a little bit about the three that I saw, okay. and the uh, the rankings of them should become very obvious. <laughs> okay. Uh, first one I saw was the f- finale question mark of the the new Planet of the Apes series, uh, War of the Planet of the Apes. Michael, did you see any of these new Apes movies? No, I have to say the concept. I can't get over the concept of apes taking over, <laughs> so I've never they've never intrigued me. But I heard this one was actually pretty good. The new pile, for lack of a better words, infinitely better than the old ones. <laughs> well, yeah, the the old sequels especially get pretty bizarre, don't they? Oh boy. Um, but like even with with the the quote unquote good ones, it just kind of it bothers me. I don't know. It's it's just it just, it's it's goofy, but. Mm-hmm. Thanks to the fact that the even all the way back at the uh, the first one, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, from like 2011, I want to say, mm-hmm. the effects range from, wow, that might be the best CG I've ever seen, to, oh my god, they gave apes rifles, what have we done? <laughs> like, it, it legitimately, at t- the, in this newest one, it looks photorealistic at times, and it is terrifying. But I, th- I think they've done a really good job of playing it as like a they ground it they make it somewhat believable okay so it's not just off the wall it's in there there's nothing quite to the level of charlton heston screaming you you know which has its charms don't get me wrong right the third one is and i know that these jokes have been made before but i don't care i thought of them (laughs) during the movie it's a combination of ape apocalypse now Okay. And the Great Escape because it tur- it's it's a war movie. Like it's it's a war movie. The apes are fighting the humans. They they can shoot guns and it's freaky. They basically go up the river to find a crazy general as played by Woody Harrelson and uh it's hard to explain without uh you having seen the previous two. So I highly recommend the first one. If you like that then continue on. If not, well then. Was it better than Planet of the Apes, the musical. No, but that does come into my mind every single time I watch <laughs> one of those movies. That pops into my head, too. It, like, even when I'm not talking about the apes, it's <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Um, The battle scenes are amazing. Uh, Andy Serkis really needs to get an Oscar for something. I don't know what for- they would give it to him for, but he is, like, legitimately terrifying as, a, as Caesar the Ape. I don't know if it's on YouTube, but there are like behind-the-scenes ones where you can see him before they throw the ape CGI over him. And, like, he transforms himself into an ape. And it is... I mean, it's creepy. It's the only way to put it. But it is it is awesome. So, good if you like the others. I mean, obviously, go see this one. It's allegedly the last of the reboots or the remakes. Whatever you want to call them. I don't know. What'd you see next? Next one I saw was quite possibly one of the best movies I've seen in, like, years. Whoa. It was Dunkirk. Oh, the Christopher Chris Nolan? Nolan. Yeah, Chris Nolan. World War Two uh, movie war. about the World War Two, yeah. About the evacuation of Dunkirk. Uh, long story short for those who don't know what it's about, it's about mm, little over a quarter million people, like three, four hundred thousand people, are surrounded on this beach in Dunkirk, France, which is right across the channel. They have no way to get off. For various reasons, there's no way that these people can get off this island. They can't walk the way they came because the Germans are everywhere. And 
they can't get boats close enough because there's people are bombing them and it's it focuses on like three storylines that uh tell the story of how these people got off of there go see this like if you're even remotely interested just just go see it uh girlfriend of the show is not necessarily a war movie fan Mm -hmm. but she may have loved it even more than i did and she was kind of on the fence about going in the first place it is a rattling experience best picture oh god yes it's I I don't know what could like honestly beat it because if it's something I like and love and would like it to win awards like like Get Out was awesome and I that'll probably get a nomination for a bunch of things but I also really like things like Crank Two and Hobo with a Shotgun <laughs> right right so uh, if it were up to me there would be no stigma between the two but in a world where it's not my decision. Uh, this is almost certainly going to just mop up everything. It's one of the things that bothers me most about war movies in general, not nece- not all of them obviously, but in general is it's more about it doesn't really show the humanity of the people involved. And when it does, it's like saving private Ryan and it's it it's it just feels like it's cloying. Right. It's a good movie, don't get me wrong. But like in this one it does an extraordinary job of showing that these were just people. They they weren't war heroes like uh, Tom Hanks and that. You know, even the leaders are just like, oh God, we're screwed. What are we going to do now? It's a very British picture, very stiff upper lip. It's fantastically affecting, and I can't recommend it enough. He does pull the wool over your eyes, and you slowly start to figure out what's happening in this movie and how it's structured and set up, and it's, it's pretty cool. I, I enjoyed that part. But yeah, that it's it really is one of my favorite movies in forever, and I knew I would like it because I really like Chris Nolan movies, but I did not expect to this level. Very nice. And then I made the mistake of going to see The Dark Tower. Oh, right. Okay, so this is almost a follow-up item because, you know, in our new patron saint of the show, Stephen King, uh, ever since you joined as the main yeah, co-host, hell yeah. and don't get me wrong, I love that. Oh, yeah. No, uh, no. It comes up like every three episodes. It's true. And we talked about The Dark Tower. And we're about three episodes out from uh, the release of It in theaters, so expect about more of that because I am not missing that movie. Anyways, um, continue. We did yes. talk about The Dark Tower. Yes, and you, when we talked about it, you're like, it's going to be a movie, and I'm. you basically said you were cautiously optimistic. And, uh, well, maybe that didn't no, pan it, out. No, it, it's, it's bad. Um, <laughs> okay. I th- the, the way that I can best think to describe this is if four bad writers got together in like college and ate a handful of Adderall and read all seven books in like a weekend and then got back together 10 years later and tried to remember what it was that they <laughs> Ten read years later. <laughs> because uh, w- w- without you know getting us an explicit tag there's a lot of things that happen in those books that you can't really do on a PG-13 movie now oh it's pg-13 yeah so and that's okay you can change things up i Mm -hmm. especially with these books you cannot be too beholden to the uh to the source material however you have to at least pay lip service that you're trying to remember where where it came from yeah 
did Stephen King get Running Man again? Did he get uh Did he get Lawnmower Man? Uh, no. Well, I th- I think he got a check for this one, so he was like, oh hey <laughs> okay. yeah, go see it. Um, he's notorious for having terrible taste in everything, so. Uh, I do not trust anything if Stephen King says it's good. That's not okay. a reason for me to go see it. I'll read his books, and I like his books, but uh, uh, uh. it makes a uh, young boy the main character, as opposed mm-hmm. to the titular gunslinger. Okay. It forgets where it came from. It's like, oh, hey, remember that? Wasn't that part cool? And then it's almost as if they forgot to, you know, put in anything that made those points memorable. The closest comparison I can give to it as far as, you know, like how they treated it like a remake or a source material or was mm-hmm. the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street, which basically just took all the iconic images from the first movie and like threw them in the first five minutes without any reasoning behind why they were doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's dumb. That's real dumb. Not only was it a bad adaptation, it's a bad movie. It's it's boring. Idris Elba is awesome as Roland. Matthew McConaughey is entertaining, but he's not good. Okay. <laughs> To me, in principle, it just seems like it'd be very difficult to take an expansive, uh, what like life's masterpiece, mythology, yes, yeah. and condense it into a movie. I I don't know if if they were writing it as a, a sequel would happen, but oh, oh boy. Um, so I believe the original idea was to do like a movie, then a season of a TV show, then a movie, and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. This movie's not making any money, so. I don't it's think it's going to happen. Okay. It's it's unfortunate because I do like the main cast, but the writing is just so unbelievably bad. If nothing else, it'll lower the bar for it. <laughs> yeah, you got some, some other king to look forward to. It can't be that bad. Now, famously, and maybe this is spoiler for the book and maybe for the movie, one of the th- reasons why you didn't like that mythology was... Stephen King injected himself as a character <laughs> into the book. I highly doubt that happens in the movie. It doesn't happen uh, in the first one. I'll tell you that. Okay, one. I was gonna say, please tell me he's in there. But I guess. Oh that... man, that would have been great. Like if this, <laughs> if it would have gone like just bonkers, bonkers. completely yeah. off the rails, I would have loved it. But it didn't. Okay, it was terrible. I mean, thankfully, I lowered my expectations, so it wasn't like a huge disappointment or of any sort. But bleh. Jeremy, let's go back to beer. Let's, yeah, let's do that. Get the movies out of the system. Because um, I came across this list on Beer Advocate. The Is that the good one? Okay, yeah. Website. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I, um, I can never remember. And so they have a few of these kind of cool lists. Um, and this list is Beers of Fame. And it's 250 brews that stand the test of time. It's a Hall of Fame. As opposed to, like, the beers of the TV show fame. <laughs> right, yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if there was beer in, in fame, probably in some underage drinking scene. There's some bad stuff in that movie that I'm not going yeah. to bring up. On here. Um, so these are beers that were added more than 15 years ago. All right. But still rank very highly. Okay. And so I thought we could just, like, run down the top ten here. And then see if we've had them, see, you know, maybe we should get that on the show, et cetera, et cetera. Let's do it. Um, but before going into it, I thought I'd give you, let you just take a stab and like just guess two or three that you think might be on this list. Uh, Sam Adams? Nope. Think more highfalutin. Okay. Uh, Duval? That is not on the list, but you're in the right neighborhood. Uh, think even higher falutin. Jeez. Uh, Trap 10? 
Yes. Aha! Finally. That is number three. That's number three. Now you got the. Now you got the gist of it. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, hit hit me with your best slots that are <laughs> okay. filled with beers. How's the reach? Oh, uh, I guess we'll start. We'll start at number one, which is Trappist, Vesterverlin. Oh. Probably saying that long. Number twelve, Vesti twelve. I guess. Yeah. Um. Next is Cantillon. Rufun. I've never heard of that one. That's a lambic. It's all Belgian to me. Or Flemish. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Next is Trappist Rochefort 10. Which has been on the show. That Was that the one we had on the show? We had Trap 10? And 6, didn't we? We No. 6 might have been a beer brag. Oh, yeah. Okay. We did do Trap 10, though. I distinctly remember that because it was very quad-like and tasted like rum. Yes. Yes. It was very dark and rich flavor. Okay. Four. Then you have Vesti 8. Okay. And then another Cantillon. Cantillon? Cantillion? Cantillion? Yeah, maybe it's just, maybe it's not, maybe I should stop Frenching it up. Um, Is Cantillion where they, like, teach young men to become, uh, like, proper young gentlemen and, like, how to (laughs) Is that what that is? Oh, no, that's Cotillion. Never mind. Continue. I probably heard that word in a Simpsons episode at some point, but that was it. Lou Pepe, which is a creek... How do you say that? Creek? K-R-I-E-K? Creek? I don't know. Creek? I don't know why I rolled my R on there. We're full of weird fruit beer names in this episode. Um, yeah. Safe to say, neither of us have had that one. Yeah. Next, St. Bernardus Apt 12. Ooh. Which I like a lot. You have had that one. Yes. I don't know if I have had. I'll, I'll have to get my hands on that. Well, yeah. you know how it goes. That jolly old monk. Delightful label on that thing. Next is Vihenstefaner. Hefeweiss beer. Interesting. That one I have had. That's delicious. Yeah, that is very good. Yes. Rodenbach Alexander? Nope. Flanders Red Ale? I like Flanders. (laughs) And everybody hates nuts. Geese love ganders, though. (laughs) Let's bring it home to the US of A for 9 and 10. Have you heard of Dreadnought IPA? That's uh, Three Floyds, isn't it? That's correct. Yeah, I've had that one. It's really good. Is that standard lineup or what? Where is is that kind of a seasonal or how is that made? Do you remember? That's a really good question. Because um, you know, Three Floyds will do some weird limited release stuff, but well, it's true. But I feel like this one is a little bit more uh, accessible. Accessible. I maybe we'll have to get our hands on it. Uh, stall while I find out if this is okay. a standard ale. Well, I'll, I'll round up the top 10 with number 10 is Wisconsin Belgian Red from New Glarus Brewing Company. Ooh, that one's delicious. Which I've had, yeah. So I was kind of surprised at how many of these I had had. Yeah, me too. Um, the list shifts around because I had it up like two weeks ago and I refreshed the page and then it, like things changed. So I was surprised these are such old beers, but yet they, they're kind of duking it out for the top spot still. Uh, it says that it's a year-round Okay. But I don't know if it's available right now. Hmm. I think it is. I don't know. Oh, haha. I, I can't read their website. But <laughs> I'll be out in Chicago in a month or so. I'll I'll look for it. Okay. Yeah, maybe we can make it a long-term goal of the show to have mm, most of the beers on this list. Anyway, because they shipped around, it's kind of hard to like get the exact top ten. But mm-hmm. here's a goo... Guise is <laughs> number 14. A goozy. Oh, look at uh, La Fin du Monde, number 15. There you go. That's a one that has a good history here. 
with us. La Findu Merid. La Findu Merid, the clone that... There's still some of that available. There's like four bottles left in Steve's basement. I saw them just a little bit ago. Steve, we're going to have to bust those out soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's kind of an interesting list to look at. You know, these are reliably good beers. They've been there for a long time. So, uh, you know, check out the list, see what you've had, see what maybe you should uh, try. Mm-hmm. I guess is the moral of that segment. I agree. Uh, let's move on to the FDR, where we find a beer, drink a beer, and rate a beer. Sound good to you, Jeremy? I think that sounds great. Excellent. Now, you... Well, you didn't procure the beer. You, I don't know, uh, prodded the procurement of this beer. Uh, I'll let you go. I'll take over before I bumble over my words more. Well, it's what we do. <laughs> uh, this came from Council of the Show as well. He was recently out in the mountains... And do we just want to say what it is? Yeah, let's introduce it. Today, from the Great Northern Brewing Company, we have a craft beer from Whitefish, Montana. Wild Huckleberry Wheat Lager. Continuing our uh, Sumerian Summer Series of fruit That's beers. That's right. Fruity-type beers that would be good for the summer. Mm-hmm. Color text on this one at the bottle. Wild Huckleberry Wheat Lager captures the flavor of nature. Brewed by hand with pure glacier water. Select Northwest hops, wheat and barley malt, and of course, the unadulterated juice of hand-picked wild huckleberries that grow abundantly in our native Northwest Montana. I believe this came from the Missoula area. Okay. I could be wrong on that. I say Whitefish, Montana. I don't know. That's the, well, the beer came from, uh, the, the physical bottles that we hold in our hands came from Missoula. Ah, gotcha. Do you have any information for us on the the brewery, Michael? I'm just seeing that their average batch size is 20 beer barrels, and they make about 8,000 barrels a year. So kind of a smaller operation, so it's always nice to get your hands on something... Local-ish. Yeah, that doesn't have distribution over where we may be, and get Mm. a taste of something that's hard to get a hold of. So thank you, Council of the Show, for hooking us up. Indeed. (sighs) <sighs> now, Huckleberry. I've never had a Huckleberry. Have you had a Huckleberry, Jeremy? I don't think so, Michael. I, I, I can't tell you anything about a Huckleberry. What about Huckleberry Finn? I, I read the book. You read the book. Now, a controversial statement here. The book has a very important message, but I think it falls apart once those con artists come into the plot. Well, yeah. I mean, I haven't read the book since I was in, like, sixth grade. Oh, sure, yeah. So it, it has been, you know, 20-some-odd years. Who would you choose? You know, Sinking Boat, Huck Finn is in it, and Tom Sawyer, who who do you save? Let them both drown, and I hang out with uh, Huckleberry Hound. <laughs> also, good Simpsons episode, spoofing uh, Huckleberry Finn. Really? Oh, yeah, it's one of those weird tri-segment... Yeah, yeah, where they kind of take, yeah, each act is yeah, a yeah, yeah. different story i got like, it that's what that's what i think of when i think of tom sawyer and huckleberry finn unfortunately is the simpsons because they've touched on every classic piece of literature and you know everything else <laughs> yes so let's find out what a huckleberry tastes like jeremy what sounds good i think that sounds fantastic let's let's dig in shall we yeah i'm looking forward to this one it's wheat lager i like wheat beers um so the cap is pretty awesome. The logo. What is that design? Oh yeah, it's like a it's a it's a bucking bronco. bronco with a man saying Yahoo on it. 
little advertisement there for the search engine. See, Michael, back there, they actually yell Yahoo. <laughs> have you ever been to Montana? <laughs> yes, I have, I believe. Where'd you go to? Um, Yellowstone. Ah. And probably drove through some cities. Of course. Uh, we went to, was it Little Bighorn, Custer's Last Stand? Yeah. Is he up there? Yeah. Is Joe- was he up there? <laughs> well, not anymore. They tended to uh, not win that fight. You know. I gave it a pour. Okay. Um, thing I noticed is the head dissipated quickly, which eh, sounds about who right. Who knows what that means? Um, slightly hazy. Um, kind of classic beer color. Uh, Pretty beery. Looks like a lager. Yeah, lager. Uh, not straw color. Not copper colored. In between it's there. Gold. Gold. There you go. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Broody aroma. So far, so good. Oh boy, and it in. I like once again. I'm not sure what a huckleberry is or what it's supposed to taste like. But um, this smells good. It does smell good. It's actually got some fruit in there as opposed to some of the other ones. Yeah. So hopefully this is the first that we like of the Sumerian Summer Series or that doesn't throw us off with a weird loop. But Jeremy, I'll let you go in first. All right. For that sip. Um, That's pretty good, Michael. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I will go now and drink the beer. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Now that you have drank the beer, how does the beer taste to you, in your opinion? Quite robotic, Now, this is more of what I was thinking about when we took this series off. Overtly fruity, but a nice beer backbone. Yeah, this is is definitely what I had hoped for. Um, I'm still not entirely sure what a huckleberry tastes like, because I don't know what the huckleberries are. Did you say 4.6 ABV and 11 IBU? I can't remember. I, I have no clue. I don't think I said that. Where did you pull that from? Uh, it's on the side of the bottle. Oh, okay. I, I set the bottle aside. So, I'll, yeah, I'll take, your, uh, I'll take your word for it. So the huckleberry flavor, it's back to front. You know, it's not a hint. It's not, oh, I tasted it at the beginning. Or it's a little bit at the end. No, it's all the way, um, which is great. I, I agree. At the end, you get more of the beer flavor. You kind of have a bitterness, but it's like a... Like a balancing sort of bitterness. Yeah. It almost is like the bitterness of a like a, a seed you would find in a fruit or something like that. Not quite pithy. Yeah, not pithy. Yeah. More like a droop bitterness. What is a droop? Is a huckleberry bitter- a droop? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about, Michael. Mm. Explain this to me. A droop is a type of fruit. I believe, like, a raspberry is a droop. It wasn't he that, like, dog who was, like, bummed out all the time? <laughs> he, oh. he uh, He's kind of the opposite of Huckleberry Hound. He's droop. Droopy. I like droopy. Um, apparently a droop is a fleshy fruit with a thin skin and central stone containing a seed, a plum, cherry, almond, or olive. Okay, that totally is not what I thought a droop yeah, was. Yeah, so. that sounds like a stone fruit. Yeah. Botch that. <laughs> Botcheroo. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the huckleberry really pre. It's it's sweet. It almost kind of tastes like a like a standard fruit pie taste. Mm. Good call. Yeah. But without I'd say it's blueberry adjacent. That's a good way to put it. Somewhere between blueberries and raspberries. Not quite as mm. tart as I. Well, I don't know if it's the beer or if it's an actual huckleberry, but this is definitely much more sweet. Then it is tart as far as uh, a blueberry or a raspberry would go. At least a real one, anyways. If you were going out into the uh, like the the blueberry flavoring 
Well, then that'd be closer to this. Mm-hmm. The wheat, yeah, it's, the wheat goes yeah. well with it. Yes, I think the wheat adds a. I don't know. You get into that smoothness. Uh, yes, it it just add, lends to the body of the delivery mechanism for mm-hmm. the huckleberry. It, it it does. Um, I'm not entirely sure on what does. I like this beer. Uh, there's no yeast flavor to speak of. The aroma is essentially the exact same as the taste. Mm-hmm. So that's almost certainly giving us a good uh, influencing the taste on it. Yes, yeah. There's not much evolution of flavor. Like it kind of tastes like it did at the beginning, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm finding that refreshing actually for a change. Yeah, um, it's kind of what you want in a summer beer. Yeah, it it kind of nails it. Some of the problems that I have with fruit-flavored beers is it doesn't like, well, the watermelon and cherry almond or whatever ones, that New, Be- that New Belgium garbage that we had uh-huh. last year or whenever it was. It just seems like when you have an idea of what it's supposed to taste like in your head, that mm-hmm. when it doesn't meet that or doesn't you know fit it quite right, it kind of puts you into sort of an uncanny valley situation. Whereas yeah. the fact that we don't know what a huckleberry tastes like is making this a lot better, in my opinion. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Because, like, what, that watermelon-lime one of just, like, Ugh. I can't really taste watermelon or, or lime. lime. Just, like, a faint idea but of I, each of them. But I do dislike the both of them. Yeah, right. Michael, how about you hop in for a, a sip of judgment? All right, here I go with a sip of judgment. That's good. I don't know how much we can add to it just because it's, it's delivering consistently and it's nice and huckleberry. Huckleberry. I'm going to give it a, and maybe this is a slight boost just because it's finally our series is finally delivering on what we had intended it to be. I'm going to give it a 3.75. I'm going down the same route as you. Um, this is incredibly refreshing. It's it has beerosity, but it's not like. But it also has the the fruity backbone to it. The mm-hmm. balance is pretty spot on, I'd say. Yeah. 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 So you're doing three point seven. Doing three point seven five. Uh, there's not a ton to say about it outside of what we've already said. Uh, it's a it's a pretty well balanced wheat lager, but mm-hmm. the the that that huckleberry is delicious. Do you think a more hoppiness would help it, or do you think it leave it as it is? I I think the hops are best off as a non-factor here, or at least as far as the uh, the flavor or aroma go, because I yeah. don't know how that would really kind of fit in with this, because it's definitely not a citrus taste that we're going for, mm-hmm. or even That's true. or yeah. even a stone fruit, uh, a droop, as we've established. <laughs> I imagine an imperial version of this would be great. Like if they just, just jack everything up to like amp ten. It up. Be- because I mean it, it's it's very good as we've established. It's a well above average for our rating system. Um, but I can't help but think that if this thing was just as thick as a milkshake, <laughs> it would be great, like phenomenal. So, uh, what is the brewery name? Great Northern. If you're listening, make an Imperial one of these and send it to me, <laughs> and then I will drink it. This is cool. I like it. Yeah, me too. I'm just kind of enjoying it now. Yeah, please do. And Michael, while you're doing that, uh, the people can hit us up at APM Pod on just about everything. 
can find us at APM Pod on Twitter. So shoot us a line. Sometimes we do shenanigans on there. Sometimes not. <laughs> do you want to shoot us an email like uh, friends of the shows? Because we're all friends of the show in one way or another. You can find us at APMPod at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes. Rate and review if you don't mind. It only takes a second and it helps us out. I'm told we're on stitcher we're on google music we're on facebook we're on youtube where michael puts up delightful little videos whether or not that's happened in a while i don't know oh yeah okay good uh (laughs) there's still a lot of fun stuff on there so you know hop in there and hit us up is there anything i'm missing michael yeah you know just smash the like button subscribe oh yeah yeah do all that stuff too (laughs) no i'm I'm now being an, an inane YouTuber. Um, yeah, no, I think that's it. That's another one down the gullet, Jeremy. That is another so, uh, one down thanks the for uh, sharing this one with me vis a vis Council of the Show. Thank you, Council of the Show. It's much appreciated. Yeah. And uh, I think that'll do it for today's show. So we'll check you next time. For Jeremy, I've been Michael. For Michael, I've been Jeremy. And you've been listening to American <laughs> Pale Males. Cheers. 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 <laughs>